0: Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make sure you're aware of a few things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks at Hope church LV, and also be sure to check out our website at HopeChurchOnline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're going as a church. Once again, thank you so much for checking out this sermon at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Amen. Good morning, Hope Church. My name is Scott. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here. Excited to jump in with you this morning. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 in just a minute. And as you're turning there... I went down uh, what I like to call the internet rabbit hole this week. Maybe you have been there too. It's when you Google something or you put something in YouTube search bar, and then you just kind of get lost for a while, and next thing you know, you look up, and it's been way longer than you intended it to be when you first searched out what you were looking for. I did that today or this week in, on the subject of biology. Now, I know you think that makes me kind of a nerd, and, and I was nerding out a little bit this week looking at the subject of biology, but subject biology is, is the study of living things. And I found that there is one thing that is true in every single living thing that's alive today, and that thing is that it grows. Every single living thing I Googled and I kept searching and, and I wanted to try to find and prove that it was wrong. But every website and every institution that I found and everything said a living organism will grow if it is functioning the way it was intended to function. I found a website called the American Institute for Learning and Human Development, specifically when it comes to development of humans. And I found this quote, typical human development is a pretty predictable process, If everything is working correctly, we have stages like infancy and childhood and adolescence and adulthood. Even when our bodies begin to go backwards physically, some of you guys are amening to that, our brains are constantly rewiring and growing, not in size, but in substance. This is really a cool idea for me. I I was really into it this week that, that no matter what the situation, if everything's working properly, we are constantly adapting as human beings. It's inerrant within us to grow Now for me, this is something that hit really close to home because for the teenage years of my life, I was really interested in the idea of growth. Uh, I've shared here before, but when I was in 10th grade at basic high school in Henderson, I walked into my sophomore year as a strapping young five foot four, 85 pound young man. Now, some of you guys are doing the math and you're thinking, yeah, that's about what my fourth or fifth grader is over in Hope Kids. And that was the problem for me. I knew there was something wrong with my growth. 99.999% of people that were my age didn't look like me. They're, I was like, is there something wrong? I, I actually wasn't a Christian at the time and didn't know about the whole God thing. But I remember specifically saying prayers to a God. I didn't know if he existed, saying, God, if you're there, can you make me grow? Am I going to be the perpetual Peter Pan that's never existed and I'll never, ever grow And then, by God's grace, between my sophomore and junior year, I grew six inches, and that's the summer I met Jesus. (laughs) It actually wasn't. It was a couple years later. It was a couple years later. But it started me on that path, right? Like, there is a God, right? I I finally grew. But on a serious note, I I really thought there was a problem because I wasn't growing. Because in, in me is a natural progression to want to grow from the moment of conception until a full, mature adult. The human body was designed, when everything is working the way it's supposed to, to grow. And why I bring that up this morning is because where we are going to be in the book of Ephesians, that is exactly what Paul the apostle is going to say. We have been in this series called Spiritual Misfits. If you're new, I'm going to catch you up. It's been basically this idea that God has brought a people where there was no people, people from different cultures and people from different socioeconomic backgrounds and people from different religions and thoughts on God, philosophies, and he has brought us all together under the banner of Jesus and he called us his church and he is using his church and has used his church forever to change the world. And so paul is really the the writer of ephesians is really pressing down on this issue of unity that we are to be united for the last eight weeks in the series we've been looking at this idea of why we need to fight for unity he has united us and we need to continue to fight for that unity and last week pastor vance taught about the the reality that in that unity he's given us all gifts And those gifts are not just to be held for yourself and your family, but to be shared and and you are to help carry out the functions of the local church so that we can see this unity continue to change the world. And so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, then turns the the page and writes what we are going to read today. And he's going to press down on that unity producing something and that something is growth. So if you have a Bible, like I said, we're going to be in Ephesians 4. Verses 14 to 16. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this to the Ephesians and to us today. Here's what he says. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, by speaking, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. Causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. What I want to do today is take those three verses and I want to give us two results of being united. Again, this is coming right out of that passage. These are two results of being united. And here's the first one. First result is stability. He says there, we should no longer be children. He says there, as a result, as a result of what? Again, we always want to read the Bible in context. You never just want to pick one verse and read it by itself. it's It's a letter that was written in context. So as a result of what? What we've been talking about the last several weeks. As a result of God giving us these gifts for the equipping of the saints to the work of the ministry. As a result of what he's doing in the church, as a result of that unity, we should no longer be children now we're picking up on an idea that we find all throughout the new testament an idea that paul was specifically passionate about because you have to remember when this was written there was an explosion of growth within the church the first century was exploding with these people that were beginning to follow jesus See, God came in the form of a man named Jesus Christ, and he was brought a new kingdom to this earth. He completely flipped everything the religious leaders knew of upside down. He began to show a new way of living, a new life that he invited to say, if you want to live life abundantly, you have to come into a relationship with God. He caused quite a stir because they actually killed him for it. And when they killed him for it, tons of his followers just said, we're done with this. Our leader is gone. And then three days later, the story that we're going to celebrate on Easter, he rose again. And the people that thought, believed in the resurrection and knew that it had happened gathered in an upper room. And there's 120 people that still say, we believe in this God and we are following this God. It's a really cool story where the Holy Spirit comes and, and fires those believers up. Holy Spirit comes to indwell those believers and fills them up. And those believers begin to spread this radical new message of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And it spreads like wildfire. I mean... All kidding aside, we are here today because of 120 people in a room filled with the Holy Spirit, got excited about what God had called them to and began telling everybody they knew about this new way of following Jesus. And now there's billions of people on planet earth that call Jesus their Lord. But you got to understand when a movement like that breaks out, there's always going to be some haters. There's always going to be some people that aren't down with what's going on in the movement. And so these haters kind of rose up and started to speak false things about what was happening. They started to teach things that almost kind of sounded true but weren't true at all and were really deceiving people. So Paul and other apostles write to their people and say, hey, watch out for this kind of stuff. The book of Galatians, the book right before the book of Ephesians in your Bible was written to a church mainly to say, for Paul to say, hey, there are people in your midst teaching you false things. Do not believe them. Believe the gospel. Believe the true good news of Jesus. So to get this idea on the table, he uses this analogy that we we can resonate with about children. Now, the word children here is a word that literally means one who can't speak. So what Paul is referring to here is a baby. And I love this because the Bible works with itself. This idea is all throughout kind of shows the arc of the New Testament. Some of you remember in John chapter 3, Jesus is having a conversation with a man, and the man wants to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus says, if you want to know me, you must be born again. It's this idea of at the moment of salvation, if you're a Jesus follower, like I am in this place, we actually began a new life in Christ and we were, we were spiritual babies in Christ. But again, just like normal functioning human beings that we talked about earlier, God's desire is not for us to stay there. God is immediately at work in our lives, immediately from the moment of salvation at work in our lives, conforming us to the image of him and making us look more and more like him. We are to grow and not remain children. My wife and I have four kids in varying stages. We have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a four-year-old. I know we have parents in the audience today, and some of you have older kids, some of you have younger kids, but most of us, all of us were kids, right, at some point. Most of us can get this idea of children growing up, but my wife and I are kind of experiencing that firsthand, and some of you guys will understand this, but my nine-year-old and seven-year-old now are getting to that age, and they're not even teenagers yet. I can't wait for that, but they're getting to that age where like, They're too cool for things already, right? They're like too cool for that. And so one of the things they have now shown me that they're too cool for is the show Veggie Tales. Some of you guys have heard of Veggie Tales. If you haven't, don't worry about it. It's this whole Christian subculture thing, talking vegetables, pretty normal. Veggie Tales was like the jam in our house. Like for Bryce, it, it really, if we needed Bryce to stop crying when he was younger, I'm not saying this is good parenting, but we just put on Bob and Larry and have a Veggie Tales party, okay? He loved Veggie Tales. That intro started, you know, dun, 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 right? He would sing it. His joy would over, overwhelm him. He was ready for some Veggie Tales. And a couple weeks ago, I, I said, hey, why don't we uh, put on a show? Why don't we watch some Veggie Tales? And the two younger ones are all excited about it. And, and Bryce looks at me and says, dad, that's a... That's a baby show. And I'm like, man, Bryce, you don't understand the joy and the love you had for VeggieTales, right? My, my daddy heart might be broken a little bit, but I understand that's kind of normal, right? He's nine years old now. Bob and Larry are not doing it for him anymore. <laughs> Sometimes we, we, I'm thinking about this growth idea and I'm like, that's actually a good thing, right? If, if he never got over VeggieTales and he was rocking VeggieTales as he walked into high school, I might be a little concerned. You parents, I know some of you guys in the car right now, you have your, you're pumping some Bob and Larry in the minivan, but if the kids weren't in the car, that'd be a problem, right? Like we, we grow out of that. <laughs> We're kind of being funny with it, but growth is a natural process. Him saying that's a baby show, at some point he's not going to like VeggieTales anymore and we've reached that point because we naturally grow. This is the result of unity is what Paul is saying here. Remember, Pastor Vance the last couple of weeks has looked into the congregation and has pointed out certain people and talking about how we need you, we need you, I need you, we need each other. There's this idea of there is unity that God has brought within this family, and it is what helps us grow. A lot of times people want to cut it off at verse 14 and just talk about your own personal growth. Your personal growth is dependent on the people in this room and in this church. That's what Paul was saying here. He says, no longer be children. And he says, Why? He says that we are not to be tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. Now that's a lot we're going to unpack, but Paul is saying he's using these words like tossed and carried These are not active words. These are very passive. We are not pursuing being tossed. We are just being tossed passively and being carried if we remain children. And we understand this idea again in real life. Like, babies don't decide where they want to go, right? Like, they go wherever their mom or dad want them to go. I don't have any infants in my house anymore, but our baby is my four year old daughter, Aria. And unless it's her birthday or something, She's not like calling the shots on where we go as a family, right? She's in her seat. She's strapped in. And wherever mama's minivan goes is where Aria goes because she is being carried because she is our baby. That's the idea Paul is trying to communicate. We cannot be carried by everything the culture says. We cannot follow every new fad and philosophy. We are not to be children. The reason this is important is because we have a very real enemy that would like to trick us and deceive us. Remember what it says there. It says trickery, craftiness, deceitful. This is not a coincidence happenstance. These are intentional, calculated attacks on young believers in the faith. It's not something we talk about a whole lot, but we have to be very cognizant of the reality of an enemy that we have, a very real enemy. And sometimes I'll talk to people about the enemy, and they think I'm talking about like a, a force of evil or, or, or negative energy. And that is not what I am talking about. I'm talking about the historical, biblical reality that you and I have a very real spiritual enemy who hates the idea of you and I growing as Christians. The Bible calls him Satan or the devil. One of my favorite verses showing this idea of that at work in your life is 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 8 and 9. Peter says, "Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour." Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Notice how the Bible is contrasting itself here. There's the being tossed and carried, or there's this idea of standing firm and holding on to your faith. That middle is called maturity. Getting from here to there is maturity in Christ. We have an enemy. We are to stay alert and be grounded in our faith. And the reason I thought it was very helpful and important to mention that this morning is I came across a study that honestly kind of shocked me this week. There's a group called the Barna Group. They're a great research group that loves Jesus, that really has their pulse on what's going on in the culture and what's going on in the church. And they did a recent study over the last couple of years, and their study found this out, that over 50% of professing believers believe that Satan is, quote, not a living being, but instead a symbol of evil. you talk about deceitful scheming and trickery and calculated attack. If we can just... Get him, if we can just get these Christians to believe that I'm not even real, that I'm not even really at work in the world, then we can stop them from growing. So if, if half this room would say today, I don't even know if Satan is a real, you know, a real being, but maybe just a symbol of what's broken in the world. This is what Paul is talking about here. Do not be children who are so easily deceived by the trickery of man. He is warning us of this very thing. And this is important because what you and I believe really matters, Bible word for it is doctrine, right? That means what we believe about God, theology, what we believe about the things that are in this word of God. What you believe matters, and we believe that because what you believe and what I believe determines how we live our life. Everything I believe about God, everything I believe about my worldview, that determines how I live every single day of my life and you as well. A.W. Tozer had a great quote when it comes to this idea. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's just not a theologian saying something that sounds really good. That is true because what you believe about this stuff that we talk about here at Hope, what you believe about the stuff that your small group is tearing up in your guys' small group time, what you believe about that will and should shape every area of your life. And if it doesn't, then something something isn't functioning the way it's supposed to. What you believe about God shapes every way you live. That's why at Hope, we are passionate about teaching the truth of this word. That's why I hope you're not going to come up here and just hear the newest self-help philosophy because we don't believe that's going to change anybody's life. Pastor Vance said it last week, but our teaching team spends hours every single week and throughout the month studying these passages because we don't want to just give our opinions up here because my opinion's not going to change anybody's life in this room today. But the word of God that says it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, this can speak right into what you're walking through right now in your life. The word of God can change us. So we want to say, what does the word of God say? Let's communicate what the word of God says. Let's communicate the truth. Because just like back in the first century, today there are false teachers. There are things that sound like truth that the Bible would say are not really true. And we should be alert to them. And again, we have to understand the context. The context of how you know things aren't true that are being said is unity. You know because you got people around you to help you get this thing, you know, help you figure this thing out. Unity is how we know. In the same way that a baby left alone is unprotected and in in, in a very vulnerable position, babies in Christ, meaning new believers, people that are just starting to follow Jesus, are in a very vulnerable position when they're isolated. That's why if, we ever, if you ever come to Christ here at Hope, we're going to get you connected in a small group. When I first got saved, I got saved at a summer camp. And on the way home, I met a guy that spoke directly into my life every single week for seven years. We would talk about Jesus. I would talk about my questions. I would talk about my doubts. And this guy walked with me for seven years. And he told me about everything that I need to know about following Jesus. It's called discipleship. It's how God has used this thing to work. I think you'll agree with this statement. Children are unaware and undiscerning of danger. If you're a parent of a young person, you understand this. I very well understand this right now. My children are unaware and undiscerning when things are dangerous. If you don't believe me, we can go over to Hope Kids right now and talk to my five-year-old son, Blaine, who literally thinks he is Spider-Man right now in this moment. We just watched the end of the Spider-Verse movie. It's a great movie. And that just reinvigorated him, right? This dude is Spider-Man. He's shooting webs. He's trying to understand how to be more like Spider-Man. And if I'm not careful, I need to tell him, you aren't Spider-Man, buddy. You can't actually jump off things and not hurt yourself. And again, that's a funny example, but that's the reality of some people that are walking the Christian life. We have to understand there are people around us in this church as we strive for unity, that are babies in Christ that need to be walked with, that need to be discipled. If you are there right now and you understand, man, I'm kind of young in this faith. Who's around you to help you see the danger? Who's around you to help you walk together? This isn't an isolated thing. We are together. This is important, practically speaking. Again, we can, a lot of times we keep things up here. Okay, this is first century Bible stuff, but there's false teachers and things that we hear every day that are not true that might sound and look true that we need to be aware of. thought of a few practical examples from my own life. Not not every Bible teacher that, that I see that comes across my Instagram, not every person that has a huge following on Instagram that's speaking from the Bible is speaking the truth of God. That's important. This one got me a little bit. Not every book under the Christian category on Amazon is actually going to help fuel my relationship with God and is driving me towards deeper intimacy with him just because it's under the Christian section. Not every Christian artist, this one got me good because I love music, not every Christian artist that's on a Christian record label is actually helping me grow in my relationship with God. I have to be discerning and I have to get people around me to help me see what is true and what is not true. You say, that's confusing. Man, if I can't trust some of it, maybe I can't trust all of it. That would be another trick of the enemy. Here's what Paul was saying. It's not that we have to be skeptics, it's that we have to get some people around us to help us. If you're an isolated Christian, you're a vulnerable Christian. So he's brought us all under this banner of Jesus and this band of spiritual misfits. And he says, now it's time to grow. Do not be children anymore. Tossed about by everything you hear in the culture and every philosophy and fad that you can follow. That's the first thing we see here. The second result of this is maturity. Maturity. We are to grow in all aspects into him is what the text says. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So Paul contrasts this idea of being tossed and carried by this idea of being by, by, by this idea of growing unto him, which is the head, which is really important to remember. This is Jesus Christ that we're going towards. We're not just isolated things. We are going towards a common purpose and is what he has called us to. And how does that happen? There's a little phrase that is really, really important that I want to spend some time on in between, don't be tossed and to grow. And it's the idea of speaking the truth in love. Literally, this in the Greek means speaking truth to one another. In the context of a relationship, I have the responsibility and you have the responsibility of teaching and and speaking truth to one another, even if sometimes it's hard to hear. But the key is to do it, as this word says, lovingly. We've all experienced the, the truth without love. That doesn't help anybody. Just telling somebody they're wrong without loving them is not going to help them. But I can't truly tell somebody I love them if I never tell them the truth. Paul says here that's a a sign of maturity. As we grow in Jesus, a sign of maturity is I'm speaking to brothers and sisters in Christ and I'm having brothers and sisters in Christ speak to me lovingly telling me the truth even if it's tough to hear. Some people want to ignore their responsibility to do that because if we're honest, it's awkward. If you're living this thing out and we really are fighting for unity, there's going to be times when I have to lovingly say something to a brother in Christ that's not going to be an easy conversation and vice versa. They have to lovingly tell me something that isn't going to be an easy conversation. And so we, we, we duck out and we say, uh, you know what? It's not my place to judge. And Paul says, you may be right. It's not your place to judge, but it is your place to love. And loving them right now looks like telling them the truth. I meet with several young men in our church. I praise God for this, the invitation they've given me as they walk through being early fathers to, to getting in relationships where they're getting married, or maybe they just got married, and we're having conversations that sometimes are awkward and hard because I have to, they've invited me in to lovingly tell them the truth. And praise God for the men in my life who look across the table at me uh, over a meal or over a cup of coffee and have lovingly said, hey, you're looking at this wrong, bro. You're not looking at this right. You're processing this wrong. And I want to lovingly correct you. That's how I grow. Warren Wearsby had an amazing quote when it comes to this idea. He said, truth without love is brutality. But love without truth is hypocrisy. And again, I understand this as a father. I would not be a great dad if I never told my kids they were doing something that was dangerous or wrong for them. Well, I just want to be a good dad. I want my kids to love me. So I'm never going to tell them that they're doing wrong things. Listen, I got a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a four-year-old. There's a whole lot of wrong going on in my house right now. And I have to correct them lovingly. I am not a good father if I just let them be because I'm trying to love them. No, loving them is telling them where they're wrong. Paul is saying that here, and this is getting up in our face a little bit, but Paul is saying if you want to grow as a Christian, you got to have some people in your life that truly know you and can truly get in your life a little bit and speak truth in love. If you don't have that, you're in a dangerous position. Paul is saying this is how we grow. So he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Here's where I want to spend the rest of our time together this morning. The way this phrase is constructed in the original Greek, we are to grow up. It actually communicates this idea of this might or might not happen. It's possible. He said, that doesn't sound very good. Why isn't it certain? Well, it's not certain because your growth as a believer is something that must be actively pursued. Your growth, my growth is a belief. I'm not just going to sit back here and come to church every Sunday and maybe maybe jump in a small group every couple months. And all of a sudden, I'm just going to be this amazing, maturing, disciple-making follower of Jesus. That is not in the Bible. The New Testament is full of challenges when it comes to this idea of striving by grace towards growth. Again, we always have to remember the the gospel lens. The gospel is the good news that's changed our lives. That's why we are believers today is because the good news of Jesus, the gospel. And we always have to remember the gospel lens as we look at these passages because I don't work for my salvation. I don't work to to make God love me anymore. I I don't work to get some points in my bank that I can take to God one day and I can give him my points and say, look what I did for you, God. That's not the goal. But... Because I'm saved, because he loves me, because he is at work in my life, I strive for gr- by grace for growth. There's many New Testament passages we can look at for the sake of our time. I want to look at two that show this idea of striving by grace towards growth. Paul says in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. What's he talking about here? He's talking about discipleship. He's talking about having those relationships where I'm helping people grow and they're helping me grow. And he says in verse 29, that's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. This is God at work in me, and I am striving by grace towards growth. This is the idea we see all over the New Testament. I'm not working for my salvation. I'm working from my salvation. Because of all he's done in my life, my response is growth. My response is passion. My response is striving by grace. My favorite passage when it comes to this idea is Philippians 2, verse 13. Many of you have heard this. It's a great memory verse. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's the perfect way to say it. It's God at work in you to give you the desire to grow, but also to help you grow and to walk with you. This is God at work in you. You didn't manufacture this. You didn't come up with this idea on your own. It's God who saved you and God who is at work in you now to make you look more and more like him. From the moment of salvation, God began a work in me and a work in you, if you're a believer, to help you grow. It's a cooperation with the Spirit of God. Jesus says he's called us to an abundant life. It's us figuring out that abundant life every single day more and more and more. I want more of Jesus. I want more of growth. I want more of what you've called me to. That's this idea of striving by grace. Henry Blackaby is a guy we quote here at Hope a lot. He is um, he's a, a, a Bible teacher who wrote an amazing Bible study called Experiencing God. Many people in this church have gone through that. It's a class we offer. And as I was telling a friend of mine, a friend that I've invited into my life, we meet on Fridays, and I've invited this man into my life, somebody to speak into my life, and and, and if he needs to, press down a little bit and challenge me and help me grow. I was telling him about the message this weekend, and he sent me this quote I thought so perfectly shows this idea that we see in the New Testament. Here's what Henry Blackaby said. We can't earn salvation, and we don't compete for it. That's... A place to say amen and have a praise party that's awesome we do not save ourselves and we don't compete for salvation yet the richness of our salvation does depend largely on our effort and our discipline christian maturity and spiritual power do not come automatically they call for sustained determined effort See, sometimes we can fall prey to one of the enemy's schemes, one of the enemy's lies. And here's the lie, that there's just a few Christians that are really passionate. I mean, those are the ones that are like leading Bible studies and going on mission trips and giving some of their income. And these are like the really passionate guys that that really, they're like the Jesus freaks that like read their Bible all the time. And these are like the really passionate ones, but that's just a select few kind of Marine Corps type Christians. This is a lie. The reason we say that's a lie, it's something we've only seen really kind of recently in in the arc of human history, because in this book, The Word of God, I challenge you to find somebody who truly experienced life change with Jesus, truly met Jesus, had their lives transformed, and didn't have every single bit of their lives changed because of it. These are people that left their businesses. These are people that sold their possessions, forsook everything of comfort that they had, because this man is who he says he is. I'm going to follow him with everything I have. Unfortunately, and I've fallen prey to this myself sometimes, we've created a brand of Christianity in the Western, the Western world that basically says Jesus can be kind of this holy hobby that we have on Sundays, and we can maybe have some songs that we like or a devotion that we like, but, but I'm gonna do my life over here, and Jesus is just gonna kind of be an add-on to my life. There is no add-on of Jesus in the lives of the people in the New Testament. It was everything or it was nothing. There was no middle ground. I know that's tough to hear, but this is the idea Paul is trying to communicate. Don't don't act like there's a verse 14.2 that says you either are being tossed, you're super passionate, or you're somewhere in the middle and you're just kind of eh about this whole thing. Paul says, grow, strive by grace for growth. John Piper, I felt like, said it very, very well. He said, don't ever think that growing through the word of God is optional or marginal in the Christian life. Spiritual growth is absolutely necessary for every believer. And again, we have to remember the gospel lens. We have to see this in light of the gospel. I am not trying to get God to love me more. I'm not trying to gain points with some father up in heaven who's a judge. I am looking at what he's done in my life and out of response to that, I want more. God, this abundant life, this, this water that never runs dry that you've offered for me, I want more of it. I want more of it. So help me in cooperation with the spirit of God to pursue that. My son, Bryce just started playing soccer. We've always been kind of a baseball football family, but his buddy wanted to play soccer, so we decided to play soccer this year. And I think he's gonna be in one of the later services. I probably won't share this story, but um, the, first, the first game of a season, it's his first soccer game ever, honestly, it just wasn't very good. Um, and it wasn't that he had the lack of skill, it's that there were some things that we've instituted in our house that I just didn't see on the field. So we had a little dad talk after the game, and I said, hey buddy, I, I felt like you. I felt like you didn't hustle very hard, man. We, we hustle. If we're going to do anything, we're going to work hard at it. So next game, man, I want you to hustle as hard as you can. Never stop running. There'll be water breaks. You can, get, you can get a break, but hustle, buddy. And the second thing is, bud, is I need you to kick that ball. I don't know what you need to visualize that ball to be, but just like kick it. Because right now, what you're doing is, is, is not really a kick. It's not, it's not a thing. So we need to really figure out how to kick that ball. Literally all week, I'm saying, what do you do, buddy? Be aggressive, hustle, kick that ball. So he'd look at me, dad, be aggressive, hustle, kick that ball. It was like a thing. Okay, going into the game. So I'm pumped. He did great in that game. Yesterday, we had another game. And as I was preparing to, uh, to, stu- to, to preach today, I, I was just watching my son play this game that we've been kind of coaching him on. And he's, I mean, he was working so hard yesterday. It was amazing. It was amazing, amazing, amazing. Hustling, kicking the ball. And he got this goal. He kicks the goal. And as soon as he kicks the goal, you know, the whole audience is going crazy. It was like 10 parents, but we were going crazy. And (laughs) I noticed something that happened. And this is pretty natural for a son and a dad. But as soon as he kicks the ball in, he turns to me and we lock eyes. And there's just joy on his face. And here's what I don't think my son was thinking in that moment. He's not thinking, dad, do you love me? Dad, did, did that make you love me more? Dad, did, did, did I gain points with you in that moment? No, here's what he's doing Look, Dad, I just did what you've been teaching me to do. I, did, I, I just did what we've been working on, Dad. And that's what we have to remember when we approach passages like this. We're not looking at this thing like, God, I read my Bible today. Do you love me more? God, did I gain points with you, Lord? We're looking at these passages and we're saying, God, I'm just walking in what you are teaching me to do. I am striving by grace through faith. I am striving to pursue you, not to please you, not to, to, so you'll love me more, gain points of you. I am looking to my father and I'm just doing you. I'm I'm just doing what you taught me to do. That's the idea that is communicated here. And he follows it up by saying, don't miss this, that we don't grow together in abstract parts we grow together in unity, together as a body. That's how verse 16 closes. He makes the whole body fit together perfect, perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Church family, don't miss what this passage is saying. You and I are never neutral in our faith. We are either being tossed and carried or we are growing up into all aspects into him. There is no middle ground. The Bible did not leave us an open middle ground. Again, we know this biologically speaking. If something is functioning the way it's supposed to and it's alive, the byproduct is growth. There is no stagnant unless something is wrong. And Paul was saying, out of the unity that he's established in us, we should fight for that. Continue to fight for unity. Continue to understand our real enemy and fight that enemy And you will see God begin to grow you as a believer as you spend time with him and strive by grace for growth. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. I thank you for your word today. God, your word is powerful. Like we said, it is living, it is active. It has the ability to change people's lives by the spirit of God So Lord, I pray you do that right now. Every time we have these response moments, I pray you'd work and move and speak to people exactly where they need to be spoken to. Anytime we have messages like this and anytime I hear any sort of message, I feel like it's really helpful to bring it down to the ground level and to apply it to our lives as practically as possible. So to do that, I just want to ask a couple questions. Maybe some are for you, maybe some aren't, but I just want us to all process together. These are questions that I kind of ran through my own life. I always wanna do that, never wanna bring up things I haven't run through my own life. These are questions I brought through my own life and I challenge you as we respond now to do that. Would you say you are stable today in your faith, that you are being taught or are you being tossed and carried? I met with a guy one time who said, man, I I literally feel like I believe everything I hear. Paul was saying that that should not be the the trajectory of your Christian life. There should be a growth out of that. So the challenge for you today is what, what can you do this week? Who can you get around you this week that can help you in that journey? Who are some people in your life that you can invite in? We have amazing small groups here at Hope. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's a one-on-one discipleship relationship. Who can sit across the table for you in your life and tell you you're wrong? That is a very, very important piece as we follow Jesus together and fight for unity. There needs to be people that actually know you. You need to open yourself up to be actually known. Not a handshake on a Sunday and a high five on your way to the car. Somebody who actually knows you and can help you grow. It can help you process things in your life. Are you somebody you would say you are striving by grace towards growth as a Jesus follower? Always remembering the gospel. Always remembering you don't work for your salvation, but because of what he's done, you are working from your salvation. You are actively pursuing Christ That means you're growing. That means you're reading. That means you're getting in the word, getting people around you. Would you say that characterizes your life? Are you lovingly speaking truth to brothers and sisters in your life? Or do you feel yourself avoiding the awkward conversations so you don't have to maybe damage a relationship or make them upset? Again, hear this from the word of God. They need you to speak truth in a loving way to help them grow. So, men in the room, are there men in your life? And do you have men in your life that you can speak to or they can speak to you to help you grow? For the women in the room, do you have women that you meet with that they can look you in the face and they can tell you where you think they think you're, you're maybe erring or you can do that to somebody else? Speak truth lovingly, help them to grow as Jesus followers striving by grace towards growth maybe today you're here and you've been listening and you're saying man I don't I don't have a relationship with God every week we have people that hear what we say from this stage, hear the Word of God, and the Word of God does what it does, and the Spirit of God does what he does, and he draws people to himself. So maybe today is the day that you need to meet Jesus. Today is the day that you say, I don't have what I think this guy has and the other people in the room. I need a relationship with Jesus. I want you to hear me today. You are carrying and trying to pay a debt that has already been paid for you in Christ, on the cross, You don't have to do anything today to earn that. It's been given freely through Christ. So maybe in a minute, our pastors are up here. I'm gonna be down here in the front. Maybe you just wanna come and, and give your life to Jesus. You want to begin a relationship with God that will forever change your life. Today, you would be born again and you would begin this new journey as a Jesus follower. And from today on, he will grow you as you pursue him. For others of you, there's things going on in your lives and financial things, things with health. I mean, every week, it's such a joy. We get to pray with people up here. They're just going through it. That's part of pursuing unity as a church. Your pastors are up here and would love to lay hands on you and pray for you and to ask God to intercede on your behalf. That is what this time of response is for. We're gonna. Some of us are going to stand and sing. Some of us are going to pray at the altars here. Some of us are going to come and be prayed for by their pastors. This is a time for God to work in us and for us to respond in obedience. So Jesus, as we worship now, as we respond, as we listen to whatever it is you're saying to each and every one of us, I pray we would respond in obedience. I pray if people need to get saved, they would come and give their lives to you. I pray that if people just wanna be prayed over, things going on in their lives, that they just need prayer for, that they would come. God, if they need to just have a moment with you at these altars, that they would do that. Lord, we trust you right now. We ask you to govern and guide this time because you're in control praise you and we love you in Jesus' name.